Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Blue Ngo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. And today I'm joined in the studio by Marta Landini, who has a PhD in psychology at the Catholic University of Milan, where she studied the influence of polymorphism, 5-HTT-LPR, on postpartum disorders. Over the last three years, she has been involved in several projects on postpartum disorders and mental health. Today's topic is open-mindedness, which we're going to explore from the aspect of the effectiveness of being open-minded in decision-making using mindfulness techniques. Let's learn together. And welcome to the studio, Martha. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I have told you uh, from the beginning that this is my first in-person recording in a very long time, and I'm excited. <laughs> the energy is always different, and um, it's rare to have guests uh, from Melbourne, and we're you know trying to find more guests in Melbourne, and I'm hoping that next year we can make that happen even more. So thanks for being here and, you know, how are you feeling? You know, how has um, the first podcast recording experience been going for you? You know, this is the first time for you, you yeah, said. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Definitely exciting and um, really happy to be here. So thanks for welcoming me here. Yeah, that's really good. So I've uh, read out a little bit of the bio that you sent us about mm -hmm. yourself, but I know that there's so much more to be told about a person. And I would love to ask you if you could perhaps um, introduce yourself some more in terms of your background. I know mm -hmm. you have a very interesting background being a migrant in Australia, yeah. um, just like myself. And you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone would be keen to find out more about that. Maybe some other fun facts that yeah. you haven't mentioned yet. So <laughs> we can you know, kickstart this conversation on a fun note. Okay, um, well, my grand grand as we can hear it's Italian. I'm Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and please take it easy with me because English is my second language. <laughs> Same. Exactly. It's kind Same. of like struggling sometimes yeah. in English. Um, but yeah, I'm Italian. I did all of my studies in Italy. I'm a psychologist, basically. Um, so I did, I started with my bachelor. I did that kind of academic uh, like part and it's pretty long. So I started with the bachelor. I changed so many topics, uh, like going from resilience to, as you say, like the last one was the postpartum depression. Um, and I think that every one of this topic, you know, it's pretty much connected with some of my personal uh, experience, particularly like happened during the childhood. So if you think about like the last one, the postpartum depression, it's because I lost my brother, well, my mom lost my brother when she was, um, when I was three years old and it was, you know, a kind of traumatic event for her. And I was trying to understand like better how to help her and how, you know, to um, provide her maybe, you know, some kind of copying strategies to reframe that situation at the moment. So this is why I start to study all the part of the postpartum depression. 
in a kind of genetical way that it's kind, you know, of weird at the same time because it's really complex and complicated yeah. <laughs> to try to understand like what's the DNA or what's, you know, it's connected with some kind of mental disorder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fun fact is that I always been fascinating about positive psychologies and self-development in a kind of obsessive way as a kind of autistic children about this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, one of my, I was thinking before, like one of my favorite also book or like or film about that is, is um, it's Eat, Pray, and Love. Oh, of course, love. Yeah. self-development and okay. mindfulness. Yeah. It's kind of granted. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because um, my partner is Australian. So this year we returned back to Italy to see my family. Mm. And actually we planned to go to Naples because I was obsessed to go to the pizza shop where Julia Roberts went at the time. Oh, <laughs> interesting. And I say, you're going to yeah. be a fake. <laughs> so. I'm actually, this is one fact. I have not read the book yeah. And I have not watched the movie. And okay. it's, it's a very big deal. I'm so behind, I know. Nah. But yeah, I'm, I am gonna read the book. I've already bought it. I, I think I bought it a couple of months ago. It's yeah. on my shelf. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna watch the movie. And I'm gonna know exactly what you're talking about right now. Well, but pizza always sounds great. You know? Exactly. Yeah, it's Friday. Maybe I'll go get pizza after work as well. So yeah. that sounds great. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And you kind of spoiled uh, a little part that we are going to start with, which is actually, have you met Marta? We have a section yeah. called, you know, have you met Marta to get to know you better by getting your recommendation. You already mentioned Eat, Pray, Love for your book yeah. and movie favorite. But I'm going to ask you to give one more recommendation for each. What is a book you would recommend? Mm -hmm. And then what is a movie you would recommend? Okay. Uh, well, a book that I would recommend, it's hard because I've always been kind of nerd child, you know, mm. the kind of child that she doesn't play so much like with dolls and everything, but she prefers like to read book. So I've been reading so many books in my life. I think that the one that impressed me the most, it's um, from Clarissa Estes. It's a book that it's called like, Women Will Run With The Wolves. Oh yeah, my friend told me about it. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I'm What's your friend get it. told about you, about that book? Um, I think we had a conversation about, you know, books about feminism and, you yeah. know, women. And we were kind of yeah. like listing some books. And there are not that many yet, Yeah. I think. Again, there are more and more. But yeah. there were not that many. And one of the books that she was recommending, she was like, I've read this. It's amazing. you got to read it. Women Who Run With The Wolves. And I was yeah. like, okay, great. <laughs> and then I still haven't got it. So I'm going to get it for yeah. sure. Now that you've mentioned it. It's great, exactly. Um, it's about like feminism and at the same time, you know, get a better understanding of the psyche of um, the psyche of the woman and everything on a psychological aspect. Yeah. So it's all based on the fact that we have a kind of instinctual in, um, nature yeah. that sometimes like, especially in the Western world, we could be like lost. Mm. Uh, we will have our experience and everything. So it's returned back to our core part and mm. our nature. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's on my list for sure. <laughs> I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to actually read it this time um, now that you've mentioned it. Okay. So uh, how about a movie? Uh, I'm not so much a movie person. If I have to admit, like in the last period, I just see movies to try to escape reality. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I hear you. When I just want, you know, to relax or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that my only favorite movie is 
eat prayer and love yeah. at the moment. It's very consistent. Yeah, it's like, very, yeah, like, very consistent. Uh, <laughs> well, I have a theory behind and you know, it's based, you know, in three main countries. So one of course it's Italy and yeah. as Italian. Oh okay. Um, uh, cool. and the other thing, you know, that it's based on other two countries that are pretty much love. So one is India and I have also previous experience like of humanitarian work in India for mm. a lot of years. Mm. And the other one it's Bali and there's reserve a particular like place in my heart because it's where I met my partner. So Aww, Bali. It, yeah. yeah. It's on my it's on my list to kind of go to Bali again Aww. like this holiday period because I'm like you know it's great and you know yeah. it's gonna be warm and nice and people are gonna be like just traveling and having fun so yeah exactly. I, I, I do like it I've I loved it and I'm definitely coming back for it so actually we have a we have one colleague in our team from Bali as well I think Fun that fact, so. yeah yeah so yeah it'll be interesting to go there nah uh, but we di- digress okay let's go back to this <laughs> <laughs> what about your favorite podcast uh, not this one what is another favorite podcast yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so i prefer reading over podcasts okay uh if i have to admit and i think that Maybe one of my favorite forecasts is of uh, an Italian teacher. That oh. She he is a mindfulness teacher and also yoga teacher. And yeah. the way that I like it, it's because it's uh, all based on a kind of like body and mind connection. Oh, okay. So every session um, gain a kind of, you know, of problem or issue that maybe you're dealing with your life on yeah. that kind of perspective that you have in mind. And I think that it's great because it's kind of like holistic approach that I really love like um, yeah. when you speak about like people on your day you know uh, to other people yeah oh that's really cool okay it sounds like it's very in line with the topic today yeah you know open-mindedness mindfulness we'll talk more about that for sure <laughs> how about your famous role model or if not famous then your personal role model mm. that's a tricky part because uh, as you say, I think you know it's more personal, more than based on like being famous. Uh, I've been growing up in a family, you know, that um, they teach me to understand better like the value of the life, and success. Of course, it's one of these values, but it's not like only based on being famous, but mm. it's being on how you connect with other people and why you you, know, you trust me to other people. Um, so I think that I have different role models growing up like and changing like during my years and everything if i have to think about now um maybe one of my inspirational model and it's also like pretty close to me it's my partner i think Mm, yeah (laughs) um because when i met you know is the um paralympian wheelchair athlete Mm. um so when i met him he's the most positive person Oh. that exists in his world yeah um, and that's the first thing that i saw about him and he, you know um he went through a lot like in his life and everything but a kind of resilient perspective mm. like he take it out the most of everything in his life and he arrived to this point in his life you know where he's helping other people at the same level you know to reach this kind of like independence and becoming themselves again mm. after like the accidents or whatever happened to you yeah. so it's a kind of like reminding of inspiration like today yeah um, oh, that's beautiful we've heard a l- about a lot of different role models this is the first time someone's mentioned their partner on the show i think it's important because 
um, I've I've heard a lot. We actually have uh, another show also by LMSL called the yeah. Relationships uh, Science Insights Podcast, Reloscope. I don't know if this is going to be related to that show, but I just want to mention, like, I guess, you know, relationships are so important in our lives and, you know, you rub up that energy on the other person and they also rub up their energy on you. So yeah. it's kind of like when that person is so positive, you get that energy for yourself as well. So it's kind of a reflection of, of who you are when you choose your partner. Yeah. And I'm so glad to hear that, you know, your role model is your partner. You seem like a really positive person and I've just met you for 15 minutes, you know, so I, I guess a part of that is your personal positivity and also a big part of that must be from your partner. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. Great to hear. Um, so the next thing that I want to ask is um, about education. So mm-hmm. we, we ask, you know, what our guests have been learning because that's very interesting. And you have completed your PhD. You've done a lot of work recently and a lot of projects. So I wonder what is a course mm-hmm. that you've completed recently that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I'm doing actually a course right now. So when I came here, I cannot, you know, still work as a kind of psychologist because I have to register my title. Mm. So I'm working as a behavioral practitioner that I'm finding really interesting because it's all connected with positive psychology, you know, like enhancing other people's skills, quality of life and everything. And I'm studying like as a behavioral practitioner. So, um, I'm making it uh, other training around you know this area to understand like better how to help the people to enhance their quality of life mm. so i already done like one course with the uh, melbourne university i'm doing another one oh. almost six months i think or something yeah. also with uni melb yeah with the yeah. Uni wow yeah. interesting <laughs> Well, it's yeah. I mean, I was uh, when I saw that you have a PhD, I was like, oh yeah, you you must be, you must have done a lot of learning and and studying, and now you're doing even more of that. And uni Melbourne is tough, but yeah, (laughs) you're getting there. You know, sounds sounds like you're doing great. You know, great to hear that you're continually learning and improving. Um, So let's go into the topic. You know, Mm -hmm. now that we've got to know you much better, I definitely have got to know you better. I'm hoping that our audience has warmed to you as well, and. This show is all about well-being. Mm-mm. And today we're here to talk about well-being. Yeah, I'm using my yoga voice. Um, <laughs> so I want to ask you to help us to define well-being from your perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, it means different things to different people. And I wonder what it is for you. Yeah, exactly. That's an interesting and at the same time, you know, difficult question. Because well-being, it's pretty much a subjective concept when we speak about this. Um I think that the background that I saw is that in my idea of well-being, it's not like an absence of a disease, just merely, you know, an absence of a disease or infirmity or, um, or whatever is going to come, you know, with that. Because um, if we think about like on a scientific like point of view a little bit, uh, and we think about like the definition of the World Health Organization, we can define health is, um, health is a kind of factors that they are associated with all the parts of the mental, physical, and also social aspects of our life, mm. and not just like the absence of the disease. Yeah. So it's a multi-dimensional construct that um, has a lot of areas uh, like within itself. And in my personal point of view, like well-being, it's who we are and what makes us who we are. Mm. So in a kind of like short term, it's like what we like about ourselves and about our life Mm. Um, and for most of the people sometimes when we think about this like who we are we think about like our physical health 
because of course like our body you know it's the vessel and everything that accompany us like throughout all the experience of our life and we need to like um treat him as a kind of temple and prevent all the kind of disease that can come up in. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, in an holistic way, we have other areas that they are really important, um, particularly like from my point of view, that it's all the area like of the mental aspect, of course, as mm. a psychologist. So all, you know, the connection, being aware that our thoughts and our emotions, it's what bring, you know, um, all the part of the uh, awareness like in our body of what was going on or like how our body you know react to our thoughts and our emotions mm. and at the same time all the part of the social aspects <laughs> I know <laughs> um, that you know it could be how we connect to the others yeah. how we create bond with others mm-hmm. but at the same time how we connect with ourselves because mm. sometimes we connect we you know we forget like to connect with ourselves yeah um and the last part that I think that it's important for myself, like in order for well-being, it's all the part of spiritual. Um, so which is the meaning of our life? Yeah. Like which is the purpose, the things, you know, that make us moving forward, like the barriers that we can find in our life. Mm. Um, I love, for example, like a um, Japanese word that it's ikigai. Oh, ikigai. I love yeah. ikigai. Uh, it's a kind, you know, if I think about well-being, it comes to my mind like ikigai. So mm. it's the thing, whatever it's going to be, that yeah. make you like yeah. waking up in the morning yeah. and have a sense of purpose in your life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I just want to quickly make a disclaimer for no one who, for people that understand nothing that just happened and we just laughed because we kicked each other under the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's funny so in case they're not watching it and just listening yeah by the way we just key each other on the table it's fun um it, it keeps it real you know i think it's fun so coming back to what you just said i think it's so interesting because besides this show about well-being i also host a show about happiness mm-hmm. and in that show we mention this concept a lot actually so when it comes to defining happiness a lot of our guests say it's not about uh, being happy all the time. So mm-hmm. in the same sense, well-being is not about not being ill and just, you know, being well all the time, but also there's so much more to it. And I guess there, this is the overlap between happiness and well-being yeah. because in the frameworks that we use on our shows, there are actually overlapping elements. So, you know, purpose in life is, I, I believe, one of those. Um, and there are a couple of other ones as well. But I think that the definition of well-being is so broad. Yeah. To, to me, like I hear, you know, different definitions from experts and everyone defines it so differently. And I'm like, it's so broad. Like, it, it's, it can be anything that has to do with you. Yeah. Because your well-being encompasses everything about you. And it's not just your physical health, your mental health, but, you know, spiritual self, social self, everything. Um, and I guess that's something that you just touched on that I found so interesting. But... I want to ask you about the misconceptions mm-hmm. because while we have these definitions and we see well-being in a in a very particular way, a lot of people don't see well-being in the same light. Yeah, and um, I have heard quite a few misconceptions about well-being, 
not just from our guests, but also from people around me. And I wonder, from your perspective, you you must have worked with a lot of people. You know, you just mentioned at the beginning before our recording that you you have emergencies and things like that. So I wonder if you have in mind a list of the top misconceptions about well-being that you want to share with us. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think that I agree with you when you say that it's really subjective and it depends you know to from person to person like to decide what will be means for uh like um each person and everyone else yeah um but that's also like the beauty like of the well-being because um if you think in a kind of mindful way you know it means that in every moment of our life we can focus to maybe one husband that is predominant to that moment and then we want you know to maybe heal or grow you know this aspect and that's part it's the well-being for ourselves you know in that time yeah uh but it's misconception it's that i think in my, from my point of view it's well-being if we look at it from you know the derivation from the latin that means stare bene it's like mm. be well mm. so everyone think you know that well-being is just being well Um, and the opposite part of the wing, it's being unwell. But also in the academic sector, it's quite difficult to understand what means being unwell. I mean, yeah. it could be like being healed. It could be, you know, potential of other things that mm. make more complicated to understand what well-being is. Yeah. Because if you cannot define the opposite, how you can define what is the positive part of that. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that is interesting that in the last, years there is a lot of movement around like the positive psychology so well-being it's a kind of really widespread like concept that everyone you know wants to start to talk about yeah. and that's great because um yeah it's only like in the last year that we really understand that we are the master of our lives mm. the creator you know of everything and that we can really be proactive in making whatever well-being means to us happen for our life and yeah. having a kind of growth going forward yeah yeah so yeah i guess the the misconception that i heard there the biggest one that people get wrong is perhaps um you know well-being is means that i'm always great Yeah. And everything is fine. It is not, you know, like it's not part of well-being. I think that it is it cannot happen, really. Like I just truly believe that there's no one on this planet that goes th through their lives and saying everything is fine all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it just I don't think that is possible. Um maybe this could be up for debate, but I just think so and I guess that is part of open-mindedness, mm -hmm. which is the topic of today because I want to ask you now to actually go into the topic where we talk about open-mindedness, mindfulness, and all the different things that you want to touch on. Yeah. So how would you define open-mindedness? Mm, that's an interesting one. Uh, well, you know, open-mindedness could be, I think, you know, described to be open to new ideas, uh, to be open, like in a kind of, it's a kind of positive personality traits. Um, that it's like thinking critically and at the same time, you know, thinking rationally. Yeah. It's stepping out whatever hits your comfort zone yeah. and try, you know, to really get new ideas, new information about like your life or maybe the problem that you are experiencing. It's not so easy because yeah. 
sometimes what we are it's like that we are narrow minded like yeah. about how we think you know yeah we always focus to what we know because that's the easiest part yeah we've been growing up you know maybe with some kind of like values or information that our parents give to us and going growing up that we think about ourselves so maybe also about like others yeah in the way that our like family teaches so being open mind sometimes you know it's tricky to open your horizon and see that there are like other really strategies outside there like other point of views for other people but i think that it's really important if we think particularly like to social relationship um or at the same time like in the work environment because when there is a conflict like it's one of the skills or also like for leadership it's one of the main skills that you need to have because being open minds, you know, means that the person that it's narrow mind, it's the person, you know, that approach the yeah. kind of conflict by saying, okay, that's my point of view. Yeah. That's the best point of view. And you need to adapt and to adjust to this point of view. While the person, you know, that it's open mind approach to the diversity of the other person and say, okay, but that could be a strength. Mm. their point of view yeah what about if i think about this if i think different what i can you know take it out like from this point of view yeah what can teach me so i couldn't agree more i love that immediately when i I saw the word open-mindedness and this might be because of my bias because my background is in project management i saw that word and i was like agile that means agile to me like you know like it's just kind of like things change all the time but you're you know you're open to all the possibilities and you work with different people but you're just kind of like you know you run you run with it and it's okay yeah um but i guess you know what you ta- what you just talked about is so interesting especially when we're talking about decision making today and you know mindfulness techniques and we'll touch on that a bit more but the overarching theme is open-mindedness which is yeah. which is what we need to have and i've noticed that a lot of the times and i'm you know fortunately and unfortunately i'm also in a leadership position right now and what i've noticed when i interview candidates or work with my teams is sort of this observation of their bias and asking them about whether they can overcome the bias in the first place especially for people who are really experienced yeah so when i interview people for the leadership positions or you know in in really higher roles for for people that are entry level it's kind of easy to work with but when you interview people for leadership position the first question i ask is kind of like so you're very experienced uh, and you know uh, i enjoy seeing all the things that are on your resume how good are you at unlearning things you know like i think that's part of open mindedness because it's so easy to just keep doing things the way that you did it. For example, in my previous job, I did things so differently compared to now. And then I also had to kind of unlearn a lot of that. And sometimes I would go into doing the same thing, sort of like, you know, just kind of, for example, solving something really quickly. Yeah. And uh, not really consulting others or kind of doing things in a way that I think works, but then in this environment, it doesn't work. And then that, like, that asks for so much open-mindedness. And I'm not perfect at it, but because it, it's a skill that we all need to continually exactly. learn and develop. And it's just so hard, especially when it's, you know, in the context of our well-being. It's not just work. This is one example, but it's, there are so many other aspects, yeah. you know, like, um, I don't know. I, another example I can think of is um, exercising. Mm-mm. You know, like I used to think that this is a long time ago, by the way, I used to think that people that 
um, can run really early in the morning or crazy. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, why? How? You know, like, it's just like, calm down. Yeah. It's so early. Um, and then now I'm one of those people. So, you know, open-mindedness. I changed my perspective. Um, and and I, used to, I used to think that it's impossible to eat more plant-based Mm-mm. for me. Now I'm doing that. Yeah. It's totally fine. I'm, I'm learning so many things. And I'm like, this is exactly the topic that we're talking about, especially if we're mentioning our well-being. And with that sort of context, I want to ask you about your professional opinion. How do you think open-mindedness can impact our well-being? Uh, well, I think on different levels, you know, as you were saying, I was laughing before, like on example of the people jogging at this <laughs> <Yeah>. running, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I was, you know, one of the people, but not for that, but for Pilates, because I do okay. Pilates like as an exercise. And I saw, you know, on the first time that I arrived here, like scheduling class for 6 a.m., like to 6 p.m. And I was <laughs> yeah. saying, oh God, who is the person that goes 6 a.m. at Pilates? And after yeah. I tried once, and it's actually, I mean, great, because yeah. you have more energy, you know, throughout the day and everything, yeah. and you just, you know, also here, uh, can reschedule like your yeah. brain in yeah. thinking, okay, I can yeah. do something different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's actually, you know, affecting my well-being because yeah. I have more energetic towards the day and everything. And, you know, I can also find time and maybe create time for other things that I would after. So yeah, definitely one of the examples, it's like getting new insights, maybe for new ideas or whatever, you know, you're going to come that you are passionate about, like, and getting also new perspective. Um, I think it's also connected with all the part of the personal growth, because mm. if you want to grow, you need to open your horizon. And this could be, you know, in a kind of like broader way that um, is, I think, in myself, like I came here to Australia from a different country. If I was, you know, a person that was not so much open, I couldn't start like to find it maybe all the barriers and everything in coming here yeah instead you know of looking all the positive aspects all the opportunity and everything that this experience could bring to me mm. um and definitely like if i we think on a kind you know of also um physical condition the more we are open mind the more means you know that our brain it's kind of like reflecting creating new yeah. pattern and way yeah. new connection and mm. that means that we keep our brain young so yeah it's definitely something that yeah on the long side you know yeah. on the long term it could be a potential benefit um but yeah i think these are like the first thing that's come up to my mind yeah when i think about oh so good you mentioned so many interesting points. I was like, yes, I was like, nodding my head. I, was like, I know I nod my head a lot, but I'm going to have to keep doing that. It's so good. Um, first thing is personal growth. You know, I think when it comes to our well-being, it's not about managing our health and our aspects of our life so we can, you know, sort of flourish in this moment, yeah. but also how we can grow further in the future. And I think that's where you can really anchor your point of well-being because if there's no growth, there will be a point where you'll feel stagnant, even if everything else is great. And I think that's so important because um, in actually in one of the previous podcasts that I just recorded for the happiness show, um, we talked about purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And that's tied into, um, you know, personal growth uh, directly. And then the other thing that you said, you know, like rewiring our brain and making our brains younger. This is something that I've heard so much this year way more than any other years before. And I don't know why. Neuroplasticity. Yeah. I've heard this word 
I think, a hundred times more than any other years. Yeah. And I believe there's got to be a reason. So, you know, if you, I'm sure you encounter this in your research, in your work. So what are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. And like neuroplasticity is something that it's so fascinating. Yeah. It's a new it concept. Is. It is. Because um, we didn't think that we can like redirect like our brain and yeah. everything and making new connections, you know, yeah. or making work like that. Also here we are, you know, uh, we can direct like maybe some areas of our brains to work more uh, and more efficiently when needed to like compared to other areas according, you know, to what is the scope and everything. Um, but it's pretty much connected with all the part of the mindfulness. Because, yeah, one of the main aspects of mindfulness is neuroplasticity. Oh. Yeah. That is so interesting. Straight to the point. <laughs> and that's the show. That's <laughs> it. We're done. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> okay. That's so interesting. Because the, the next question is actually about, you know, mindfulness and mm -hmm. decision making, which is something that we're talking about today. Yeah. And I think um, when I saw the topic, I was I stopped for a second because I was like, there's so much connection there. Where are we going with this? So I'm keen to find out from you, you know, so we have open-mindedness, we have decision-making. Yeah. And then on top of that, we have mindfulness. So how do you unpack this relationship for our audience? Because it's a mouthful, you know, there's a lot, to, there's a lot to be talked about here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think that the part of the mindfulness is a kind, you know, of, um, help when it comes you know to all the parts of the open minus in particular related to the decision making because mm -hmm. um, definitely like one of the main aspects of the mindfulness is bringing awareness like in a kind of non-judgmental way and to the present moment um, so what the mindfulness does it's bringing awareness like to your thoughts but at the same time like to your sensation in your body and if you think about like the decision making process, there are so many aspects that we were saying before, like all the part of the bias that we are maybe not conscious of. Yeah. And the beauty of the mindfulness is that the more you become aware of your thoughts, what is going on in your head, the more you become aware and you can see, you know, this kind of bias that you have maybe. Um, and at the same time, the more you can understand whether there is a new problem or whether there is a new situation that you need to end up with, you say, okay, I'm not going to adapt like whatever I had before as like, my kind of scheme, previous schemes that could derive my childhood or everything, or I'm not going to act maybe out, you know, of the fear of the future or the emotion that I'm having right now in my body, but I'm acting according, you know, to a kind of process of decision making, being open mind, like gathering all the information and everything. And after like in a kind of slow um, path, like moving on this and finding a solution that it's the best for the moment. Mm. Um, so definitely there are so many interconnections right, between all these kind of concepts um, mm. and ideas. That yeah, that is so interesting. Yeah, I think when you mention open-mindedness and how we use that in our decision-making process, I was kind of like, interesting. I've actually never heard that before. Mm. To be honest, like mindfulness, maybe. Yeah. I might have heard about like using mindfulness in your decision-making process to make sure you are aware of what you're doing. So because sometimes decisions are kind of split second. Yeah. This and then you yeah. make a decision. But open-mindedness is different. Yeah, I think that is something that is quite new, at least to me. I haven't heard that before. Um, and I think, 
you are right. We gather information so we can actually make a decision. And I guess a big part of that is being open-minded about being open-minded because <laughs> because sometimes we're not even thinking about the fact that we need to gather information in the first yeah. place. Sometimes we just make decision, um, and I can speak for myself. I don't know about you and others, but I can speak for myself when I say sometimes in life, um, not in work because in work you need to be rational, but in life I've noticed myself making decisions based on my emotions. Yeah. And it's not great. <laughs> so uh, any advice on that? <laughs> I need to well, change it. <laughs> I mean, it's a kind you know, a normalization if you think about this. Like, yeah. um, it's a kind of strategies. Uh, I don't know if you have a like the fat of fright, like that we use, you know, when we are in this kind of state of emotions, uh, our assessor, we have this kind of mode, you know, of activation because we see a kind of danger, mm. a potential danger. And so we need to act based on our emotion, what we are feeling in order, you know, to not get cold or whatever is going to be yeah, there true. for the danger. So absolutely, that's maybe one of the difficulty, mm. like of if you are not open mind, like the impulsivity that it comes, like when you make a decision or something. And the mindfulness, it's helping you, like, also that with the open-mindedness, like, to take time to that, to recognize, you know, to not being impulsive in making your decision, but to try to see all the different options that you have on the plate, like, for the moment, and to go with the best one that is for you for that particular occasion. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's something to note, because it's easier said than done, I think. Like, yeah. you know, it's easier to say, okay, next time I feel something, I'm going to embrace the emotions while gathering information because the yeah. last thing you want when you're very emotional and hot-headed is kind of like think about what is re reasonable and reasonable and rational. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's good to think about. I think one technique that I picked up maybe on the happiness show is actually to pause. Mm -hmm. I believe there's, yeah, one of the practice, not technique, practice is actually to, to pause. Yeah before reacting yeah and i think um, sometimes it's really hard especially if you're in a situation where you need to react really quickly but i guess even just taking a deep breath yeah which is part of mindfulness because we we have yeah we i think we have had this conversation about mindfulness with uh, another guest recently about you know sometimes it's just good to notice the sensation that you're feeling and just calm yourself down in yeah. that instance, it's not about taking 10 minutes or an hour, you know, sometimes it's just one breath. That's how effective mindfulness can be. And yeah, and, and I didn't think about that. I, I guess I've noticed it in people a lot. Like yeah. when something happens, they're kind of like... <sighs> <laughs> but then, you know, it's, it's, it's I think it's like, sure, we can do that. And combining mm -hmm. that with bringing our attention back to our body and what we're feeling and all the data that we can gather. That is very important in mm -mm. saying that we have a choice because yeah. I think it's oh, being open-minded and being mindful is all about knowing we have a choice. Yeah. I have a choice of yelling right now <laughs> if I'm angry or I also have the choice of walking away and coming back when I'm calmer or, you know, saying, saying that I need space. Yeah. And I've noticed that a lot from people, like, um, you know, both in a professional and a personal context. Sometimes it's really hard for people to stop and, and make the decision 
to not do something that they will regret later. I know. It's kind of hard, right? Yeah, because if you think like most of the time that we are impulsive, it's because we want to escape or to avoid something that is going on, like in our body, in our mind, maybe at the time. That it could be a sensation of discomfort or maybe, you know, yeah. some kind of like feelings that we don't want to feel. Mm. But discomfort, it's completely normal in our life. Yeah. And as you say, if we just sit and stay there with the discomfort, it's actually a kind of like positive sensation. Because mm. it brings like the awareness of what's going on, what I need like to do right now. Or maybe other time is just maybe like staying there and allow yourself to accept and the things they are like this that you cannot control it you cannot change it yeah that's true i guess accepting that we cannot change certain things is hard you know yeah especially when things get out of hand so yeah um it's a it's a skill to learn i I, i've noticed that it's a skill to learn it's not as easy as people make it to be and um when when we talk about the topic of mindfulness and open-mindedness I want to ask you to bring out some more insights on this relationship because I guess for a lot of people, they might have heard the words, Mm -hmm. definitely, but the science behind the words, that's new to Mm -hmm. a lot of us. So what is the relationship between mindfulness and Mm -hmm. open-mindedness? Yeah, as I say before, you know, um, I think it's pretty much bringing awareness of all the bias that we have maybe in our life when it comes like to the process of thinking or decision making uh that it could be like different bias so the bias maybe a confirmation bias knowledge bias you know just bringing awareness but at the same time not being judgmental against this bias and saying oh i'm having a bias i'm you know distorting my view here i should have done this yeah um because definitely something that we don't want i mean being mindful at the same time accepting you know all the good part of ourselves and also maybe like what we relate or we classify as a maybe wrong part of yeah. ourselves that we don't like it because mm. it's part of us i mean if you are open mind mm. you are not a person that you have a dichotomous thinking and you think you know that everything is bad or good yeah it's just that at the time that's what's happening for us or that who we are but it doesn't mean that in the future we cannot change it yeah um so definitely it's bringing awareness of that and being open yeah like in a way that you think you know about this bias and saying okay i'm having this kind of thinking what i can do about this what i can how i can change it yeah absolutely that is so important because a lot of the time people walk away from having to deal with things and uh having the mindfulness to be open-minded yeah is so important even though that sounds like a mouthful yeah it's like a tongue twister but i think it's important because we just sometimes walk away and we just don't act upon what we needed to do in the first place and be open-minded about the possibilities of different ways of resolving a situation which i have encountered myself personally so can totally relate um but i think there's another part when it comes to decision making that might hinder um, a lot of people from thinking about what other options they have, mm-hmm. which is anxiety and you know perhaps fear yeah. of you know a lot of different things. And uh, I'm sure you've encountered this, you know, because you know you've done psychology, you, you know what it is. Um, but I want to hear your thoughts on you know the relationship between how people can tolerate uncertainty. Mm-hmm 
and mindfulness yeah. in the context of you know making all the decisions and might you might have a bit of anxiety and yeah um yeah life's hard you know sometimes you just kind of forget that you can actually bring mindfulness back to a situation yeah. where it's really uncertain it's hard for you to navigate yeah well you know when it comes to the para anxiety i have to admit i was and i'm still one of the person <laughs> that you know yeah, yeah. sometimes I, all the part you know of anxiety and i recognize and it's completely normal you know i think in our lives that particularly if it's something that we really care about mm-hmm. or that we maybe we are really you know scared about mm-hmm. like we have this kind of feeling of anxiety because we want to control everything let's start with that like we feel safe if we control everything yeah. and we feel safe if we are able, you know, to predict our future, whatever is going on and knowing, you know, that maybe we're going to live a happy and good life um, and knowing all the things that are going to come for us. But that's not possible. Mm. And it feels maybe one of the main things that the pandemic teach us about uh it's that yeah. everything is uncertain that, yeah like you can wake up one day with having your work and a day after maybe you know you lose your work and there's a pandemic it's eating everyone and it's <laughs> difficult you know to maintain and also here to be open mind and trying to find like new solution and new strategies or oh well yeah how i can do it how i can you know resolve this problem mm-hmm. um so definitely like the part of the husband, like the beauty of the mindfulness, it's that as it does, you know, with the judgment and with the thinking, it can allow like yourself in try to be more open about whatever is going to happen and um, to the present moment. So you don't think about the future. You don't think about your past. What do you think it's what happening now? what mm-hmm. I'm having now, who I am now. So it's just, you know, switching the perspective on just the present moment. Yeah. And not like our past life or our future life. That They are important, mm-hmm. but it's a kind of mechanism of our mind that it's, you know, kind of running from one point to another for not staying with the discomfort that maybe the present moment is bringing to us. Yeah. And the other thing, as we were saying before, it's, sitting with the discomfort because being uncertain is sitting with this sensation of oh what's happening Mm. what's next yeah uh what i can do about this you know as i was saying before sometimes there are maybe strategies that you can put in place and other times you know what you just need to do is just stay there and flow with wherever you, you know it's gonna happen during that moment um but it's interesting because our it's our brain it's completely against us like in this (laughs) it really wants you know safety and certainty about you know the things that happen in our life like i remember that i read one of the studies like in the research that was about this and there was like this kind of people that they're giving them the option of sitting there not knowing what was going on mm. or the other options was to get that kind of electroshock. Oh, yes. I've read about that. Oh, my gosh. That's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, it was pretty hilarious as well. Uh, like the, the number of people that chose the electroshock. Exactly. <laughs> like, Compared like, to sitting there not knowing what it's going next because that's our brain at the least to yeah. say okay at least i'm gonna you know um know that there is electroshock that i'm gonna have like pain for one maybe minutes and everything but after it's gone compare like maybe to sit in there one hour and saying oh 
what's going next and maybe you know yeah. your mind is running with all the thoughts about this and you know you start <laughs> i mean this kind of anxiety stressful like yeah so thoughts. true so yeah. that's our mind yeah it's hard because this is back to mindfulness and being yeah. open-minded because a lot of people are kind of saying there's no way i can sit in silence for an hour right and I, as a, I was like, yeah, sure. You know, if, if it's hard, it's hard. But if we actually have the open-mindedness to try it, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, because it helps to process thoughts. At least for me, I've noticed that. Um, last weekend, I was in Sydney. I went to Coogee Beach. And there was this really beautiful cliff that was kind of overlooking the bats. And I was there. I was sitting there for one hour straight, doing nothing, just watching the waves. And it's the best thing that I ever done in my life. At the same time, people kind of came and went and all they wanted to do was kind of take photos and walk away. And then I was kind of like, wow, it's so different because I used to be those people. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here by myself with my thoughts. And it's, it's great because we need those moments to help us make better decisions. I felt like after that, I felt so much calmer. I felt like I was more mindful and grounded in what I wanted to do in terms of deciding on actions to take or like things to do um especially in my personal life you know there's just so much going on as well as work and i guess that helps so to anyone that's kind of wondering or on the are on the fence about this i would say yeah it helps yeah yeah particularly now that we have you know this kind of chaotic life where we don't have any time just just sit there and yeah. take you know a space for ourselves yeah so definitely. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for that. It's, it's been great, been enlightening, especially when there are so many different concepts nested together. It's hard to unpack the relationship yeah. between them, but I guess we've got our conclusion and uh, let's get practical. So mm -hmm. for us to get practical, we have a section where we call practice uh, or um, habit experiment debrief you must have done something in your lives that uh, on, you know maybe on the daily on the weekly to help you with your open-mindedness mm -hmm. so we're keen to hear about that you know what is a practice that you've done mm -hmm. to help you with your open-mindedness <laughs> well of course when it came to mind i think you know it's all the part of the mindfulness because mm. um it's been i think five years that i'm keen to you know hold the part of the mindfulness and that's starting sorry <laughs> <laughs> As a kind of teacher, like before and after, you know, also practicing like every day. Um, but yeah, definitely both the formal side or the informal side of the mindfulness. Because yeah. when it comes to mindfulness, I think that most of the people, you know, that have this kind of image from films or book that you just sit there and you stay with your toes or wherever it's going on. Yeah. That's cool. That's one part, you know, of the mindfulness that it could be called as like the formal one where you take space for yourself and you just stay there and meditate. Um, but what I try to do is just being aware every second, like in, during my day. And that could be like also now, like sitting here and at the same time, you know, speaking with you, but being aware of whatever is going on, like your body, maybe I'm a little bit stressed, you know, <laughs> this shortbread and everything. Yeah. So that's definitely something that it's going to help you to recognize like your thoughts and your sensation. And at the same time, like um, bringing your decision making or your problem solving to an upper level in your life. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so good. So uh, 
coming back to the practice that yeah. you did. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's the question. So that's that's great context to, yeah. to why we should you know start doing this. But what helped you personally? You know, like what is a practice that you did that helped you personally to mm -hmm. to help you with your open mindedness? It doesn't have to be sitting still. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. I wonder what it is for you. Uh, it's sitting there with all the emotions, you know, that are going on and at the same time putting on a paper in a kind of journaling way. Oh, journal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Putting mm -hmm. on a paper and a kind, you know, journaling way. I'm a fan of the list of the pros and cons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds great. Especially for decision making. Exactly. You know, pros like, and cons. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Particularly like if, you know, some kind of big decision like coming yeah. up and everything i think that it's something like putting on on the paper it's something that make you realize mm. like what's going on in your mind mm. um so yeah yeah so the first benefit is you realize what's going on in your mind what about two other benefits that you've noticed from doing this uh all the part of the creativity that it could mm. be you know connected also like being open mind because mm. you come up with a lot of like new strategies new idea you know yeah. on how maybe to do it new mm. way that you didn't think about it before yeah um and i think the last one is the curiosity mm. about like the diversity of the other people and at the same time like that you really commit to the development of yourselves yeah like you want you know to be an interesting people you know you know we want to have knowledge about the things and like all the part of the personal growth so yeah definitely. yeah for sure i think that's good um it, it'll help people to start doing this but i guess there will be a lot of challenges to start yeah. doing this especially when we've we've said this before sitting with yourself is so hard and then everyone's busy and no one's making time to journal you know yeah. sort of sometimes it's like that i know that a lot of people are um journaling religiously they're really good at it and um but making pros and cons list while you know reflecting on your decisions or things that you need to think about in more detail i guess that's tougher yeah um so what sort of challenges did you encounter when you started doing this uh well, I have to admit, you know, when I start, particularly, I think, like, around, you know, the mindfulness area, I remember the first time that I meditate, and I say, okay, I set a time, like, five minutes, I sit there, and I meditate, and it was pretty much funny, because it went, like, as the film of Julia Roberts, you know, <laughs> I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna have this kind of zen mode that I'm gonna say here, not thoughts, nothing, just by myself, and he came up with all these thoughts and everything, and I started, like, um, like my attention was switching like between all the toes that I was having and at the same time maybe the, like the sensory aspect that I have around and so I was thinking oh that's a bird oh that's it <laughs> and after I was start thinking oh what am I gonna do next so I was missing a list like in my mind on all the things yeah. that I need you know to do yeah, that yeah. from the next um, part um, so it was funny because I start to be a kind of judge of myself and mm. say okay I mindfulness is not this I definitely not to do this. I need <laughs> yeah. to be here, like yeah. on a kind of empty level without any thoughts or anything. Um, so the more I learn, the more, you know, it's maybe acceptance. It's the way that you accept yourself. Mm. That's the artist yeah. challenge that mm. it came. Because expose yourself and it could be mindfulness, it could be journaling, it could be 
all the activity you know that you do to gather better knowledge of yourself it's yeah. definitely hard if you don't start from a base that you accept yourself of who you are yeah otherwise it's a yeah. circle you know of keep fighting and yeah. saying i shouldn't be this person i shouldn't yeah. um and that's not helpful if we look on the long term on a press like on the process of growing yeah especially if you want to accept yourself as you are and um make decisions that are good for yourself yeah totally you know it's it's definitely challenging and uh yeah thank you for sharing about those challenges it's pretty funny when you mentioned you got like oh i'm switching i was like yep i def i've been there definitely been there sometimes i do guided meditation and my no. thoughts still jump <laughs> All I need to do is listen to what that person's saying. And all I can think about is like my to-do list. Yeah. So totally relate to that. Um, so how often do you practice this? You know, you said you sit down with your thoughts, mm -hmm. you, you, know, you write down pros and cons. I'm guessing you're not writing pros and cons lists every day. <laughs> so, you know, what's the frequency? How do you set up time to do that? Um, I think it depends, you know, of how important is the aspect for me. Um, so on a kind of mindfulness, I think on a kind of daily basis, but I have to admit like in the last period, as I was telling you before, like it's been crazy. <laughs> so I yeah. didn't have like time for the normal basic needs like yeah. that we have like eating or drinking. Um, so I was doing like more informal, you know, mindfulness and just take time and sit there. Um, but all the part of the journaling, um, when I experienced that, I really, my mind, you know, it started like, rushing a lot around, you know, all the part of the things and try, you know, to find a solution. And I'm seeing, you know, that uh, it's really jumping from one idea to another. I try to do all the part of the journaling, to sit in there, to write it down. And I find it really helpful because after that, most of the maybe things that you have or information you were taking in consideration, you see after on a different perspective and you say, okay, it's not going to help me. Yeah. That's so good to hear. And I guess, you know, making time to do that whenever you need it is yeah. important because I'm also guilty of not doing it as religiously as I would like, not making pros and cons lists, but, you know, journaling and writing things down when I need to. And um, sometimes I open my journal, I'm like, holy cow, the last entry was like two weeks ago. What's yeah. going on? Something's wrong here. Need to journal. Um, and yeah, whenever I do that, I feel better and more grounded. Yeah. And then I think like I automatically make pros and cons list in my mind as well, or just analyze what happened and to really unpack my emotions. Cause sometimes it's really good to get that down on paper. Yeah. It's easily getting away from you if you're not going to do that. So it's very important practice. Um, so once you've done this, um, what did you notice in your life? You know, how did it impact your well-being and your perception in life? Uh, it helped me, like, on a kind of open mind as, like, way, you know, to reframe the story that I was telling about myself. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely, like, I always have some kind of beliefs about myself that it could be, like, um, I don't know, deriving from my childhood or the experience, you know, that I have in my life. And after when I start, like, see him from a different perspective, I say, okay, I'm this, but I'm also something else. Uh -huh. So what's the something else that I yeah. am? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that it's a continuously questions. Like I remember there was one of the workshops that I did around the mindfulness area um, that it's called like within and that it's 
three days where basically like you stay there, you meditate, you completely switch off from whole social network and everything. And at dedicate hours, there are like um, session where you are in pair with another person. And the only question that you are allowed to ask to yourself and to the other person is who I am. And it was so difficult because yeah. you start, you know, with all the liars that you create about yourself. So you start, okay, my work, my social area, my family. And after they say that's part of you, but if you take it out, these are liars, I arrive to the core who I am. Mm. And that's, I think, that's the most important part that I'm still discovering about myself, like mm. who I am. Yeah, because I always have beliefs and conception of part of myself, but that keeps changing. It's continuously flow, like you know, in the life and everything, you never remain yourself. Like, yeah, in all the different fa- phases of your life. So, mm. yeah, totally. I mean, it's good for everyone to hear because it comes from your personal experience and it helps. Oh. It's now my turn to hit the mic. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just good to be able to relate to someone who actually went through the same thing. Because sometimes it's hard to hear the theory and kind of like, oh, yeah, it's easy to sit with your thoughts. Sure. No, it's not. And, you know, in practice, it's not. And But it's important. And so let's try and do it. You know, make time for it. And I guess doing it at least um, if you're new weekly Mm-mm. and then increase the frequency. Um, but, yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. Like, mm-hmm. it's a kind, as, you know, Kabat-Zinn would say, it's a kind of consistency that you need to give to the practice because it's a practice that you need to do. So yeah. we have the skill, we have growing up, you know, as a child, like we were born as a child, we were mindful. Because if you look at the child, they have all the children and everything, it's fantastic because they can stay there like one hour just to look at the butterfly. And <laughs> like, <laughs> try, you know, to discover no, all the, you know, yeah. aspect of the butterfly, you know, yeah. and all the part, you know, the sensation maybe of the thing, touching yeah. you know, the butterfly and everything. Yeah. But after we grow up in this chaotic environment where you have thousands of things to do during the day and you lose that perception like yeah. of being mindful and you need to relearn it yeah and as we were saying before it's a kind of like neuroplasticity our brain it's already developed to have this skill it's a matter of practicing and creating this kind of new connection mm-hmm. yeah totally so our final question on the practice you've discussed the topic you've talked about your own practice what is another practice that you would recommend everyone to combine this with so that they can improve their level of open-mindedness mm-hmm. um i think that i relate to something that you were say before you know about being grounded because mm. that's another aspect like of being open mind if you are grounded like if you really also bring awareness you know to the fact that sometimes we are a lot in our minds and in our thoughts and that we need to switch off our brain and just coming back in our body like to listen better and to do better decision in if you think about you know the decision making process um so it's all the part of i don't know if everyone heard about like the bioenergetic exercise 
it, oh. No, I haven't heard about that before. What is um, that? It's a kind of tradition that arrived like from, I think, Chinese tradition, um, but at the same time also Buddhist like tradition. So mm. they are some kind of exercise that they are based, you know, of moving the head, the energy in your body. Mm-hmm. So particularly like when you're feeling anxious or when you're having panic attack, mm. um, you need, you know, to switch the energy in your body that maybe it's all around, you know, the head and the thinking that you're having and you need to be more grounded. Yeah. So these exercises, they are basically, you know, um, based on feeling the ground mm-hmm. or move your body mm-hmm. in order, you know, to rebalance the energy that we are having and be more grounded on the ground mm-hmm. and feel, you know, that we are capable, that we have self-confidence that we can create our own reality. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of like uh, mindfulness body movement. Um, and I think that they are really great because coming from a person that was really anxious, still really anxious sometimes, uh, when I notice that I'm anxious, what I do is could be like just if I'm sitting like at the work, just like bringing the awareness at my feet or stomp my feet, you know, on the ground and start shaking my legs so that that energy is coming down and flowing like on a part of, you know, of the ground and everything. Mm. Um, or if I have a dome, I love like to be barefoot and just mm. walking yeah. and like putting the tension. Yeah. Like, Interesting. On the walking. Mm. Yeah. Especially, I think if we can do that on the grass, that'll be really cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'll be really helpful because, I mean, carpets, yeah. you know, f- floorboards, they kind of like show you, you're connected, but not to the earth. And I feel like, yeah, yeah connect, connecting to Mother Earth is going to be very helpful in staying grounded. And that's really nice to close out the practice part. <laughs> Thank you. We have Aww. quite a few practices that we can put in our pocket and take them out whenever we want to start this journey of being open-minded and mindful. Yeah. I think it's a really nice combination because, you know, if we just talk about open-mindedness without talking about mindfulness, um, it will be a very different conversation. Yeah. So this is interesting. Now, I have some interesting audience questions Ooh. for you. And I think you're going to like these. <laughs> so we've touched on these before, but I think yeah. the, these two questions can really help us to summarize our conversation. So what are some beginner techniques for people looking to start a mindfulness practice? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Beginner techniques. Uh, I think as you were saying before, all the guided meditation, it's something like that it's really helpful. And I mean, right now you can have tons of help that they are providing like yeah. the guided meditation free. exactly for free. Yeah. Um, and it's, amazing because some of them you know they have this kind of courses that they bring you like towards all the different parts of the mindfulness or if you just want to start like there are also either maybe guided meditation and they are maybe focused on some problem like if you have anxiety and everything so definitely i would suggest like starting with that yeah i keep using sometimes so the part of the guided meditation is like nice you know yeah be guided by another person while you're doing (laughs) your practice yeah yeah, so that's one technique. What about some other techniques that they can try besides guided meditation? Um, I would love the part and it's something, you know, that we don't bring awareness like uh, about or the part maybe of the eating. Mm. It's something that it's really easy. Yeah. 
I start like with the children when I teach mindfulness to them. I start, you know, with the part of the eating because it's easy. Like you do every day, and it's just exactly. How do you eat? Exactly. How do you eat? Or yeah. like, what do you feel like about you know? I yeah. don't know this. That you are heating, which kind you know, of sensation you are having, how is reacting your, your body about this? So, definitely, that could be like a small starting. Mm. Or another part that I love, it's also, you know, maybe when you need to, um, like doing a shower or something. Yeah. Also, there, like starting mm. with the contact, like mm. on yourself. Yeah. I think there's a technique um, I, I picked up from another podcast, I think. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. 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 yeah you'd, you'd probably know about that all too well. Yeah. So, yeah. That's also nice. I mm. use like with the clients that I work with, mm. like as a kind of like starting point. Yeah. 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 For those who don't know about the five, four, three, two, one practice, can you explain <laughs> what it is? Uh, Just yeah, in case. It's based on the different sensations. So like um, it's seeing maybe five things around you or experiencing, you know, like touching maybe other four things or eating like other three things. Yeah. So it's all based like on a different sensation and bringing awareness like on the different like feelings that yeah. we are having at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great as yeah. a starting point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's all to do with the senses. Yeah. We need to put them to use, you know. It's great. Okay. Final question from the audience is, how does mindfulness look like in a decision making process? Uh, I think that as we were saying before, you know, maybe the good aspect of the mindfulness in the decision making process is, well, I will quote it as in this, like on a kind of problem solving is that you can solve the problem um, with strategies that they are not the same that they create the problem. So it means, you know, like how you approach, you know, to the problem or the decision making, because sometimes what we want is just, you know, to arrive to the final goal, maybe to have this decision making, to make the decision yeah. without, you know, thinking about like the process of how we can make this, mm. how it's going to happen. Yeah. So it's more thinking like on a kind of abstract way on how to do it, like which are the steps, which are the questions that are going to bring me to arrive there. Mm. And I can do this, like we were saying before, if I'm open mind, if I'm flexible around, you know, everything that is happening, like the ideas that I'm having. Yeah. And if I'm not like narrow mind, mm. maybe around, you know, some kind of like beliefs or bias, you know, yeah. that you're having before. Yeah. So true. Actually, I noticed another question. This not. I'm not going to ask you the official question, but I'm going to relate it to this question because the question is about staying, being mindful in a tense meeting, which, you know, in a tense meeting, you, you got to have to make some tough decisions sometimes. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's so simple as decide to say something or to not say something. And that helps, you know, what, what you just talked about. Just notice, pay attention to the process of getting to the conclusion, even if it's a really quick process you yeah. know if, if you decide to say something it's probably like a one two second thing but yeah. you know whether you say a really nice thing and constructive feedback or you say something that's not going to help anyone yeah. that is a decision yeah and um i think it helps because i remember this so well like i remember uh, not not long ago 
I had uh, like I had a meeting that was really tense um, and it wasn't directed to me or anything, but I noticed these two colleagues talking to each other. And um, it was interesting because uh, the the colleague that made a snide remarks received another snide remark from the other colleague. And then to kind of shut down the, mm-hmm. you know, the imbalance between what was discussed. And then after that meeting, the colleague that gave the comeback uh, was saying, I'm sorry for saying mm-hmm. that, you know, like, I know it was, I know it was not helpful, but I had to say it. Yeah, it was a decision. And I, I think there was mindfulness involved in that. Um, but I guess for us to continually make better decisions and, you know, just have better conversations, it's so important. Yeah. Because sometimes conversations shut down because you just don't have any mindfulness in that and deciding what to say. Similarly speaking, in bigger contexts, you know, like deciding what to do, um, it can have really big impacts on our lives. Like a sec, a second long decision can m- have a lasting impact. There's so many movies about that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I agree. Yeah, this is so great. Such a great topic. Um, I've loved talking about this, and we can talk about it all day. But I'm gonna wrap it up here and invite you to close it out with our last section called Open Mic. Um, and in the beginning, you mentioned that there's so much that you've been working on and you're passionate about resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we would love to hear more about this. You know, <laughs> let us know. Well, I think you know that it's connected with all the mindfulness and open mindedness aspect because resilience it's also a skill that it's within us like uh, it's the capacity you know to overcome difficulties and at the same time like getting better and stronger after the difficulties but in order to do that as we were saying before you need to be vulnerable you need to be authentic you need to be open mind like at the moment and see you know the difficulty that you are going through has a kind of constructive way you know to grow yeah in yourself like in some kind of self-development and in your personal growth um i think that the metaphor could be like summarized as a kind you know of surfer um i love the metaphor of surfing like connected to mindfulness because yeah if you think about it like the waves could be our problem or our difficulties that we need to experience like every day or like in our life yeah and surfing it's about learning how to surf this wave it's not going against the wave or it's not you know stay sitting there and passive accepting you know the fact that yes they are coming but it's try to learn your skills on how to surf in and how to make the most out of it yeah absolutely that's such a nice message to close this out. You know, thank you for doing that. I have to give a little plug because we actually uh, do have another show on resilience at oh. LMSL. So it's not my podcast. It's by my colleague Tia, but it's called Bouncing Back, um, oh. the re- the personal resilience science insights podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Um, we have amazing guests on there. I was actually watching the shows over the weekend. It was so great to see all these experts talking about how you can, you know, leverage different aspects in your life to become more resilient and um, to bring it back to this topic I guess it's also very important in the context of being open-minded because to me when you discussed uh, all these aspects and described all the different areas that we might encounter in our lives if we don't have the open-mindedness to think about different ways to solve a situation for example there's no resilience you know it's kind of like yeah there's just so much that are related to one another it's kind of like it's not two things related to each other but it's kind of like this 
really interesting circle of things or maybe even like you know like a group of things that we can identify and kind of map out their relationship and that's what i took from this conversation you know there's it's complex but it's important to know and um yeah we should all be uh, trying and practicing ways to become more open-minded i agree yay <laughs> thank you um thanks <laughs> thank so much so for much. being here and um before i let you go i want to ask you and i'm sure the audience would be keen to find out more how can they follow your work um <laughs> <laughs> uh, on linkedin yeah all the part on linkedin and instagram i'm actually planning to start like a new channel on instagram about this oh, aspect so, yeah oh <laughs> absolutely great okay you gotta let us know yeah um the link and the handle so we can link it to the show notes and our listeners Definitely. can access it um so i'm guessing your linkedin would be your name marta yes. landney i'm Correct. gonna I'm going to add you as well. <laughs> so I'm going to do that. <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, um, so I really much. enjoyed the conversation. And thank you for making your time and being here, even though you have so many different emergencies. Thank you for welcoming me. <laughs> You've been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at we.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Lu Ngo. Thanks for tuning in.